Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots to continue to look at in this market trade. If you notice, there's a bit of green on the screen today, at least in the soybeans and part of the wheat. We'll get more details about what's happening there. The corn market, we're going to take an interesting look at this gas and the ethanol industry and what does this really mean for what we're seeing in the corn movement. Of course, we'll also take a look at the livestock side of the trade happenings as we are joined today by Brian Split. He's with agmarket.net and I think, Brian, first to start out, it's it's kind of nice to be able to see a little bit of green action going on for this grain market. It, it, yeah, at, at this stage, it's nice to see anything trade positive when we're in just a, a time frame right now where everything is uh, just so beaten down. Um, today, the uh, the main benefactor of buying was the uh, the Kansas City wheat, the hard red wheat contracts, uh, settling up about 8.5 cents for May, uh, up 7 for the new crop July. Uh, SRW, the soft red Chicago variety, not quite as strong, uh, only up about a penny and a quarter for May and, and up a half cent for the uh, the, the new crop July. Uh, and we did spend uh, a lot of the day higher on the uh, the spring wheat uh, just to finish lower on the day ever so slightly. Uh, May trading down a half cent at settlement and new crop September uh, down one and a quarter. You look at the the corn market specifically, and as you and I started this, before we started the interview, we were talking about the gas and the ethanol price. It's been a long time since I remember gas below $2, and that's definitely got to make a struggle for this ethanol market to compete. Absolutely. So when you look at um, unleaded gasoline or or RBOB futures, uh, just as recently as January, the the front month was trading around $1.80 a gallon. Uh, Here today, we've seen futures trade below 70 cents a gallon. Uh, Then you look at the implications for uh, ethanol. We've got ethanol futures trading around a dollar a gallon, uh, down substantially. And um, so we have some internal research. um, And I guess long story short, when you start to try to, to figure out what the implications could be for a reduction in demand, um, we're thinking that uh, we're going to see demand uh, down on, on the corn for ethanol uh, for the, the 2020 calendar year of roughly 330 million bushels. Uh, so this is a combination of, of uh, lost demand on old crop, um, potentially small uh, demand loss on new crop if, if things aren't up to uh, the way they, they typically would be come fall. But I, I think most of this demand is going to be lost on, on the old crop bushels. And that's why this market is under such extreme pressure right now on the front end with May corn down today 10 and 3 quarter cent, but December only down 4 and a half. You look at the at the charts, and you, we also talked a little bit about that ahead of time. There's some historic charts in both the corn and the beans. We do have reports coming out later this month, I'm sure, with a lot of anticipation. What's that going to mean? How do we kind of focus and try to continue to market? So, um, you know, bringing up the historical charts, uh, you know, something I've been looking at is the December corn and um you know how December corn typically trades um, throughout the the course of the year, and, and what kind of lows we might make in spring, and and what type of low price levels we would see before making our our summer high. Um, and so we have to understand that we're we're obviously in a in a different type of market right now. But just looking for history as as a guide, 
we have not actually seen December corn trade below 360 a bushel prior to the summer run up in price, uh, and that's in the last five years. Now, um, you would actually have to go back um, quite a ways, you know, 10 years or so, uh, to see the market trade below 360 a bushel um, before making that summer high. And I, I believe you'd have to actually go back to uh, about 2006 or 2007. So, um, you know, chances are um, the market should start finding some value here. But uh, that's just based on years where we've seen some sort, somewhat of a normal uh, normalcy to the market. So uh, I, I can't say with, with certainty, obviously, that December corn is going to hold here at 360. And, and if this is a year, or I should say if there is a year where we could potentially take that out, uh, I, I would say that this is definitely one of those years uh, based on, on the perception of band loss that we're seeing right now. But... Uh, expecting it to go down substantially from here uh, would be a tough pill for me to swallow. Uh, Goldman Sachs did put out a recommendation to investors today to sell corn futures, uh, and, and I believe that their recommendation is, is driven mainly by this uh, you know, newfound loss of demand based on energy prices dropping substantially. Brian, how much pressure do you see this end-of-month planning intentions report to play this year compared to years past? Well... I, I think the market is already trading ahead of that in a way. Um, we saw the Ag Outlook Forum in February already kind of give us a taste of what balance sheets could look like, um, assuming that we intend to plant 94 million acres. And so as, as long as the the intentions don't come out um, you know, substantially above that, I think we're, we're we've already kind of moved past that. We we know what the balance sheets would look like with that, uh, and so now we're pricing in additional demand destruction on top of that, um, coming mainly on the old crop side. So um, I think whatever the the uh, uh, estimates were on the Ag Outlook Forum, um, you could potentially see the idea that right now we're adding 300 plus million bushels to those numbers what does that mean well with the trend line yield if we do end up planting 94 million acres and let's assume that we do lose 300 million bushels or so of old crop demand because of corn for ethanol um that would put carryout levels for new crop around 3 billion bushels Look around folks we've got a lot more coming up Welcome back to the Final Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Brian Split with agmarket.net. If you remember from the first half, we were talking about what was happening when you looked at the gas and ethanol versus the corn industry. So during the break, I asked uh, Brian a little bit about what was happening with the South American harvest and a little bit of a number crunching, Brian, but you, you came up with an interesting um, correlation between the corn ethanol here in the U.S. and what's been going on in South America. Right. So in the first segment, we said that based on the estimated demand disruptions on, on driving uh, and what we think that could mean for, um, for demand destruction for corn, for ethanol, um, in order to offset that, and, and, and we said that that could be you know, around 330 million bushels, um, some of the recent estimates on the South American crop have been coming down. 
and and maybe a million or two tons. Um, you know, we'll see what things look like as um, you know harvest finishes up on soybeans and and we get deeper into the into the uh, safrina corn crop for Brazil. But just to give you a, a sense of what type of of losses we would need to see in South America to um, you know, be a wash from that potential demand disruption on corn for ethanol. Uh, you're talking about eight million tons of, of corn losses would be required. Um, you know, that's a, roughly about 315 million bushels of corn. Um, so, if we're talking potential demand loss on on the driving side of things for corn for ethanol and unleaded gas um, of, of roughly 330 million bushels, that's the type of of, uh, of offset we're going to need from South America. So um, even if we do, let's say, have a 2 million ton reduction in the overall South American crop for, for corn, okay, that's still going to give you uh, a 6 million ton uh, cushion, right, where we could still potentially see uh, overall uh, demand destruction of, of 200 and 35-ish million bushels um, that that the world is still going to have uh, left over. Um, and, and, you know, let's also remember that this demand destruction is, is domestically. Um, you know, we're not even talking about potential demand destruction globally for, you know, other countries using ethanol. And, and granted, Brazil's using sugar for ethanol, but uh, this is still a, a, a major issue um, worldwide as far as all of our, our loss of energy demand because of what's happening right now. Switch over to what we're seeing on the livestock side. Oh, what a different a day makes. And I guess if we're going to have a, a turnaround Tuesday, this is the way to have it for the livestock and try to make up for all the losses we've had the last couple of days. Yeah, you know, to me what's been happening in, in the livestock futures is, is criminal. Um, you know, we got a small taste of this back when the uh, the Tyson plant burned down and and we're not even burned down but there was a fire there and um, and we saw this this market where the futures market was just getting uh, you know sold into and, and limit moves down yet the cash market and and retail wholesale prices were surviving and what happens is the packer is the one that benefits from that and so now we had an insane jump in in choice up 27 in, in a day and a half. Um, and so it's kind of that same scenario playing out right now where we've seen the, the live cattle futures just get uh, really pressured to the downside. We've seen these limit moves, um, and yet the packer margins continue to improve. When I go to the store, uh, I went to Costco probably three times in the last week and a half. Two of those three, there's no beef at the counter at all. Um, the one time there was, uh, you know, they had just been restocked, and and I think you're seeing that uh, as I talk to clients uh, across the country that, uh, you know, beef is, is flying off the shelf right now. Uh, I have some producers that, that uh, market their own beef locally, and it, it's, uh, you know, selling like hotcakes right now. So, you know, one of the questions is do we have a true demand versus supply story on the horizon in beef? Uh, we know that demand heading into the corona headline was very good. Domestic uh, has been great. Exports, even the last two weeks, were decent. Uh, so now we have this restaurant shutdown issue going on. Uh, restaurants are going to a carryout slash delivery only. That's going to hurt near-term demand. 
Um, but how much does the recent retail demand all help offset that whole issue, right? And then we have all this before we actually get to grilling season. Um, I think when we get through this coronavirus issue and people can leave their house, um, I think people are going to want to be celebratory in mood. You're going to see a lot of people want to be outside. They're going to want to grill. What's the best way folks can get a hold of you? So you can reach me uh, directly at the office, 815-665-0463. You can check us out online. Uh, Our website is www.agmarket.net. All right. Thanks so much. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe for your free podcast. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.